It's time to talk Sixers. Simmons off balance and an incredible bank shot is good. Here on the broadcast, the official podcast of Sixers.com. Embiid drives down the lane. He goes in and slams it. Oh, man, what a play by Embiid. Now, here's today's episode. A belated happy holidays, a happy new year in advance. And thanks so much for making the broadcast a part of your holiday week. Hopefully you are enjoying it with a lot of rest, relaxation, some 76ers basketball. Brian Seltzer bidding you hello once again. Thanks as always for checking out the podcast. And on this edition we're going to speak with our good old buddy who is now of the transplant variety, John Gonzalez of The Ringer. Stay tuned for that conversation in a moment. Before we get started, reminders that to subscribe to the podcast, you can do a couple things. You can head to either iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Type in Sixers Podcast Network. That will take you to our feed. Uh, You can also go to our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com backslash Sixers. Tough one for the 76ers on Thursday night indeed. 114-110 loss to the Portland Trailblazers. Things were looking great midway through the third quarter. And then all the mojo, all the momentum evaporated down the stretch as Portland came back to win it. And uh, also difficult for the Sixers that they were not able to build upon, at least on Thursday, the momentum that they generated back up in Monday's Christmas Day win against the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden. A man who knows his 76ers is John Gonzalez. He was in the area, of course, for a while at the Enquirer, NBC Sports Philadelphia, and now he is back on the NBA scene at the Ringer. So let's fire up the good old Skype machine and go back to a conversation recorded Thursday morning before the Sixers played the Portland Trailblazers with John Gonzalez. Yo. John Gonzalez, first and foremost, we need you, for those of us back here in the Delaware Valley, to please transport us in our minds from frigid Philadelphia to the southern shores of the Pacific. It's got to be nice. It's wonderful, buddy. How How's things with you there? Are you, uh, like, do you have little heaters for your... For your sweatshirt and your shoes and stuff, you get those those little heating packets at CVS. What's going on over there? I'm trying to think of what would be the analogous situation in Southern California. Maybe you have some rooms in your place that are cooler than others when the weather gets hot. Here in Philadelphia, it's like we have some rooms that are just like sweltering, disgustingly warm when we ramp up the heat, and that others that are like an icebox. We can't regulate the climate in the Seltzer household. It's a challenge. No, it's bad news. I uh, I don't miss any of that at all. I have we have uh, my lovely wife and I have two dogs, and uh, much to my consternation, they still require me to take them out every single day, several <laughs> times a day. And uh, here in Southern California, not not nearly as bad as you know January, February, March in Philadelphia. This would be the tough time for sure. Back it east. is. I if I move ask. back there, I assume that you'll walk them for me. Of course, only if you're. Um... North of uh, Spring Garden Street and uh, <laughs> south of Girard. Those would be Perfect. my conditions. <laughs> I, I can't believe that you just gave your location on the podcast. Now you're going to have a bunch of fans outside your door seeking autographs. Well, I was hoping that without constricting myself to eastern and western boundaries, that that would create maybe a 40-block radius uh, that would require some extra work. But, yeah, I guess if people went north-south, they could begin to pinpoint things a little There's bit. There's no stopping the Seltzer fan base. 
It's um, if we count it among the uh, the parental units and and the wife, then uh, you may be right. Yes, you <laughs> might be correct. Um, how are you doing? This has uh, got to be fun for you, I would think, at the good old ringer. A lot of uh, NBA focal points that you get to zero in on now, especially this time of year. Things on the professional front, enjoyable, I would assume? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think for anybody that's a basketball fan, this is a great time. Uh, the league is as healthy and, and fun as it's been in you know a long time, notwithstanding the fact that we know that we're barreling towards you know, the Warriors and probably the Cavs yet again, uh, who knows, might be Warriors and Celtics. Or if, if we get really lucky, this, the Warriors and the Sixers, who knows, but the Warriors and somebody. But, but that aside, um, the rest of the league, I, I really enjoy uh, basketball writ large, and there's a lot of fun storylines. And, yeah, and, and the Ringer, bless the Ringer's heart, man. They, uh, that, that whole site is NBA uh, focused. So we, we get in quite a lot of conversations, and it's wonderful. Do want to ask you about some NBA stuff before we're done, but of course we'll zero in on the good old 76ers. And we've actually had the great pleasure of seeing you around not only in Philadelphia, but also when the Sixers were out on the West Coast for the first time. Um, All things considered, as we veer towards 2018, things right now right around where they should be, what are your thoughts on where the Sixers are at this point? Yeah, I think for on the whole, you know, maybe slightly, slightly off from from what we thought. I mean, you know, they they obviously had, uh, you know, a recent stretch there that wasn't what anybody probably hoped. What two and eight in the last ten? That was a little bit of a a tough stretch there where they sort of fell out of the current playoff picture. But that said, I think some things to be hopeful about, right? I mean, Ben Simmons has looked absolutely amazing when Joel is out there. He's looked fantastic. And those two guys together are the future. And we're seeing that that right now in real time. So while they had, you know, a couple of stumbles here and there, uh, you know, building around those two guys, there's so much to be hopeful about. I guess it is hard at times. And you could probably say this about any NBA team or any team in professional sports to separate what you're seeing when you don't have a fully healthy squad versus what you're seeing when all the pieces are there because that game uh, Monday at Madison Square Garden on Christmas it's just like okay you know you throw Joel Embiid JJ Redick back out there uh, right boom nearly half the points the team scored and a lot of other great things they do and it makes quite the difference yeah no I mean that's true for any team right I mean like it, when the Sixers are healthy, of course they're better, you know, and hopefully uh, you get Markel Fultz back out there and his shoulder is better and he's working on a shot. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're starting to see things come together and click. But look at the Grizzlies. I mean, uh, Mike Conley goes down and the whole thing craters, right? I mean, it's it, Porzingis goes down for a little while and all of a sudden the Knicks stumble. Um, it, it's true really of any team. Like you, you lose one or two of your best players and then all of a sudden things get difficult. And Seltzer, let's not forget either, like, I think the the expectations got really ramped up this year because, you know, we were going to have Simmons out on the court and we get to watch him and, you know, ostensibly Embiid is healthy and he'll be out there and you've got Fultz. But these are guys who haven't played professional basketball together. It takes time. No question about it. There they were in the midst of the Ringers' top 25 through 25 games-ish, both of them right there. I think what was yeah. uh, what was Simmons? He was top 15 and Embiid was 10? Yeah, I think right around there. Um, I don't have it, uh, and this is you know to my great, 
this is a great failing of mine. I have not committed the list to memory. When they find out, they'll probably fire me, and they should anyway. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they had two guys on there. That was a, a you know, you probably know this. Uh, certainly, anybody who reads The Ringer knows this. We have a ton of Sixers fans on our staff. So the uh, Simmons and Embiid both landed in the top fifteen. Not a surprise. Does that create for? Any tensions or hostilities at time or just good office banter given the level of interest in the Sixers that's there? A little bit of A, a little bit of B. I would say like it feels at times like 80% of our conversations in NBA ringer slack are about either the Sixers or the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics for obvious reasons and the Sixers because we just keep hiring Philadelphians. Um <laughs> But also it can be a little trolly sometimes, Seltzer. Like when Markel Fultz stuff happens, the non-Sixers fans get into NBA slack and, you know, get after us a little bit. And all of a sudden, Chris Ryan and I, uh, the executive editor for The Ringer, have talked about starting a uh, Philadelphians-only Sixers slack uh, as an offshoot where we can just go. It would be like our safe space. Oh, that's awesome. That is great. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really is hard to have a conversation as easy as it may seem about the Sixers without really spending a good deal of time on Joel and Ben and what they've done so far. What do you think we've learned through uh, two and a half months about each guy to this point? Well, I mean, let's start. I mean, you start with Simmons. He's the runaway rookie of the year favorite. He's been fantastic for as good as Donovan Mitchell has been. And I know this gets me in a lot of trouble with Sixers Twitter but Jason Tatum is fantastic. And anybody who's honest with themselves about his ability would, would admit that. I mean, like if you took your Sixers fandom hat off and just watched that guy play basketball, you would say he's been fantastic. Now, all of that aside, Ben Simmons is the guy. And he's the guy even without a jump shot. And if he can eventually add that, and you know, there's been a lot of talk about uh, his hand, which hand he should be shooting with, um, God, the sky's the limit for that guy. But even without it, Right now, we see how talented he is. I mean, how he can get into the paint at will, uh, and he can do so many things when he gets there. And then beyond that, his court vision, his ability on the break, uh, his rebounding, you know, his size relative to other guys who are trying to defend him, even when you know, they'll switch on to bigger guys. Uh, were, you, uh, were you convinced, Gonzo, uh, or sold initially on the idea of Simmons as the true point man for the Sixers? Oh, I, I mean, look... I love the idea of him running the point because he creates so many matchup problems. And like you see, you see, like, you know, no matter who they switch on to him, either the bigs aren't quick enough to, to stick with him or the traditional point guards aren't big enough uh, really to handle, you know, the sorts of things he can do once he gets into the lane. So I love it. I mean, he's fantastic. His court vision when he's running the break is just fascinating. Uh, and it, you know, and it opens up the floor in ways that you wouldn't expect, even though that he, even though he does sort of have, uh, things that he still has to work on with his shot. This may not be a popular view to take, but for me, just stepping back and observing his evolution, I think it's going to be neat to see how he adjusts to teams adjusting to him as the season goes along, because it seemed like, you know, first month of the season driving lanes might've been a little bit more open than what we've seen as of late. And that's right. going to be a big part of it, seeing how he can counter to when the opposition counters on him. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff that he has to, he has to still figure out. Right. I mean, like you said, there's going to be, look, the NBA is a really not, not surprising development. It's a smart league, right? Like coaches adjust. They see what guys can do. The second time you see it, 
uh, a player or a team is different than the first time. And it's different, you know, if you're on the, in the same conference, the third and fourth time, like they adjust and they, and they create problems. And so, you know, can Simmons figure that stuff out? And a lot of that is going to have to do with in the off season when he's working on his jumper, right? I mean, like if he can add and, and slowly start to move farther and farther from the basket, the guy's going to be a monster. He already is a monster even without that. So uh, I think he's going to continue, continue to figure it out. And he's going to be more of a problem for opposing teams than the other way around. We've seen the Twitter sphere populated with stumping for all-star candidacy for Simmons and Embiid. Simmons, a little bit less, at least, time overall in the league. And, uh, you know, that might be a slight uphill climb for him. You think Embiid has a shot? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I, I think, like, when you look at the bigs in the Eastern Conference, you know, Al Horford has been really good for the Celtics. Um, you know, Andre Drummond we've seen with the Pistons, but but Embiid put it on him when they played. Um, you know, Miles Turner has been good, but Oladipo has really been the guy there. So I, I think, like, part of the problem is going to be that, you know, you're voting front court spots rather than traditional centers. Because uh, once you get into front court spots, then it becomes a little trickier. You know, you've got Giannis and LeBron as starters immediately, and then what, right? So, but yeah, I do. I think, I think Embiid has a good shot. We, uh, of course, are waiting and eagerly anticipating to see what the next step is for Markel Fultz, at least in these parts of the NBA world. Um, what do you think we might be saying about Markel come season's end? I think we're going to say that he got out there, he, he worked on his game a little bit. Maybe it wasn't the rookie season that we had expected or wanted for the first overall pick, but he, let's not forget he's what he's still 19 right Seltzer isn't he isn't he still 19 or is, did he turn 20 already let's go to the tape let's go to the tape he's right he's young is what we need to know you just can't give any false information 19 19 nailed it all right he's 19 years old and I think like you know we see first overall pick and then immediately we go well you know he's got to be amazing and he's got to be amazing right out of the gate and I think sometimes we forget that they're kids and it takes time to acclimate uh, so at the end of the season, if we can say that he was part of the group, he was out there consistently, he was healthy, and he was learning, given how the season started, I think that'd be a win. It's going to be interesting to see where the Sixers are at when he comes back, because you almost get the vibe based upon how Brett Brown um, has discussed his impending return at some point, that uh, when he's out there, the tone in some ways is almost out of necessity going to have to change a bit to being a little bit more patient letting him work through some things whereas now given on who's available there's some veteran guys that if you need depth in the backcourt you go to to try and win games immediately but um, it does seem like there's a realistic outlook for what might be the dynamic once Fultz comes back yeah I mean that's something that fit is a is a thing it's a thing that you have to think about and it's a thing that you have to consider and it and it it was a thing before they drafted Fultz, and it was certainly a thing at the beginning of the year because people wanted to know, well, who's going to be the point guard? And as we mentioned, Simmons looks really good as, as you know, the point forward, the point big. Um, now what happens? Now what happens with a guy who, you know, hopefully is healthy when he returns, but also had some questions about, like, how he was playing? So how do they deploy him? Where does he go? Can he shoot the three when he returns? 
because it's real. I think it would be really tough to play them side by. It would be next to impossible to play them together if neither one of them is shooting a three. And we know Simmons isn't going to. So then you have to stagger their minutes, and then who starts and who doesn't. So all of this is a lot for Brett Brown to consider. But as problems go, I think this is sort of like a pleasant problem to have because you get your number one overall pick back as opposed to just having him on the shelf and him convalescing. Like you'd much rather have him out on the floor. Indeed, something on the horizon for the head coach to consider. Um, in addition to early morning cold walks uh, with the Gonzalez dog treat, do you miss Brett Brown? I feel like you two have a very nice rapport. When you two are around each other, good vibes always seem to be there. And more than that, just a nice healthy respect between John Gonzalez and Brett Brown. Yeah, I mean, I wrote well, I wrote uh, 2,500, 3,000 words <laughs> about Brett Brown. I saw you guys uh, and you in Sacramento when you guys were in Sacramento. And then we all came back to L.A. together and, and we hung around here at Santa Monica High School when they were working. And like I've said this to Brett. I said it in the piece. I'm sure I've said it to you previously. I know I've said it to Zoom off. Like I've covered a lot of people, uh, not just in the NBA, but throughout my career in like, you know, Major League Baseball or – uh, the NFL. And the thing that I, I, I don't need you to like me. I just need you to be professional, right? Can we have a conversation? Can we be adults? And sometimes, um, like us doing our job and them doing their job gets in the way of that, right? Like it becomes like some sort of formulaic yes. and there's not just like an actual conversation. Like when you and I see each other and we catch up and how are things, Brett's like that. And that's why I like Brett. He doesn't always have to give you what you want. Sometimes he'll tell you, like I've asked him questions and he's been like, you know, Gonzo, you sound like an idiot. But at least it's a conversation and we treat each other like humans. And that's why I really like Brett. And that's why I think his players like him. Because you can have a conversation with him and, you know, it's an adult discourse. The article is great. If anyone has not read it, The Process is Lone Survivor, about a month and a half ago on the head coach of the Sixers. What do you think is the... I don't know if it's the biggest symbol or testament or first thing that comes to your mind when you think about um, the job Brett's done, how he's handled the last four plus years. I mean, how hard that had been for, for Brett Brown, I think, is like pretty obvious. And I was worried that we know how fickle the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey, whatever sport you're in, it's a fickle business, right? Like, if you're not winning right now, there's a ton of turnover, and that's true for the front office, and it's true for the team with the players, and it's true for coaches especially. And I was worried that maybe he wouldn't get time to prove himself with an actual team. And now we're starting to see you know, what he can do. And for everybody, like I think Sixers Twitter loses its mind uh, after a loss and throws it at the coach, and that's not surprising given like, you know, I, I am a Philadelphian. I understand how it works. This is the job. Brett Brown gets it too. But as I said earlier, these are guys who have not played basketball together. They are young. They are 19, 20, you know, uh, in Embiid's case, 23 years old, hasn't played a full season yet. They have to figure it out. Similarly, while Brett Brown is, you know, his coaching pedigree is long and impressive, he's working with a new unit, like a functionally new unit. Give the guy and give the team some time before we all decide to pass judgment on what it is or isn't. It's easy for the Sixers.com digital reporter to say, but it'd be like, all right, um, just remove the delete key um, on the yeah. keyboard for a second. And then, oh, by the way, the cursor only works sporadically, too. Like, you know, you might have all 100%. the thoughts uh, in your head to put out there and write, but uh, you can only do so much when you're not at full strength, I would say. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, the delete key is the perfect analogy. I am a big fan of that key. It's my favorite <laughs> key. If it wasn't for that key, I would be doing something else, but it certainly isn't what I do now. Uh, yeah, Brett Brown doesn't have that luxury. Neither do the players. They're young. It's a young team. Let's give it a second before we freak out. We waited this long, right? Can yes. wait a little longer. Very quickly, before we wrap this up, just some brief global NBA things I wanted to bring up with you. Um, he had something about the Eastern Conference, young stars on the rise. What do you think we're seeing in the East at the current moment? I love it. Uh, as somebody who you know spent most of his formative years on the East Coast, grew up in Philadelphia, went to school in Philadelphia, have, I still have a house in Philly, and then I lived in Boston for four years. You know, the Eastern Conference was on hard times for a decade. And now... It's not just the Sixers. I mean, we, we see what we see with the Sixers and their young, your, with their young core is fantastic. But there are other teams trying to do sort of the same thing. You know, you've got the Bucs and Giannis, and you saw Oladipo and Turner in Indiana. Uh, the Pistons have some nice young pieces. The Knicks have Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets are sort of like the, the island of misfit toys in the NBA, but they're interesting. <laughs> Um, and, and that's right. Like at the very least, the NBA, you know, I'm not sure how competitive it would be relative to like if you just put it in the head to head every time with the Western Conference. But at least in terms of narratives and storyline, Seltzer, like every night I'm going, oh, right. This team in the East is young and fun. I'm going to watch them. Along those lines, Brett Brown had this take last week. He feels we are not talking about the Toronto Raptors enough. Would you agree? The Raptors are fine. <laughs> okay. All right. No, that's fair. I think that's fair. It's, uh, this could just be one of the ebbs and flows of the season where, you know, things are going well. And then, uh, you know, it's still – got to wait, I guess, till April and May. I, I Look, every year I like the Raptors, and every year I am reminded that they are not the Cavs. Right. They're not the Cavs. And, and, and you know what? Like, they're not the Celtics. Probably either. not the Celtics. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They're fine. Agree. They're good. They're a good basketball team. They're a professional, professional basketball team. They hang around. They, can they do least, indeed, uh, my friend. We can at least say that. Um, Oklahoma City, top four team in the Western Conference when it's all said and done at the end of the regular season? I think, God, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? But, yeah, because right now they're they're five in the Western Conference. They've, they've gone uh, eight and two over their last ten. They've won six in a row. They're killing it. The thing that's interesting to me about that, Seltzer, is that their defense has been good all year long. Yeah. That, that hasn't been the problem. They're, they're, they've been a top-five defensive unit all, all season long. The problem has been consistently their offense. Their offense is starting to climb. They're, I think they're 15th now in, in, uh, in uh, offensive rating uh, per 100 possessions. But like that three, that group of three, you would think would go, oh, right, they should be a much better offensive team. So. Maybe they're. I mean, it's what I said about the Sixers. Like, you got to give it time. They've they've never played together before. They have to figure out where to go on the floor and what to do before we can go. Yeah, this is or isn't working. So yeah, I think probably top four. What do you think? I would say top four. I feel like the other teams, either yeah. directly above them or behind them, might be a little too uh, not quite as experienced yet. Uh, I think there's, uh, or, and also there's the talent factor too. I just feel like that'll ultimately uh, maybe get OKC into the top four. Um, although Minnesota, intriguing. Uh, yeah, I like intriguing. Minnesota, but if I had a pick between those two, I'd probably because I'm looking. I mean, like for sure, I still like the Warriors, Rockets, and Spurs better. But it just to me on paper, if you look, like I, I, 
I probably like the Thunder better than the Timberwolves just because they're so young. Agreed. Um, yeah. Lastly, on yeah, April twelfth, uh, finish the phrase. Uh, on April twelfth, the Seventy Sixers will. On April twelfth, this I assume that's the day the season ends. Yes, it really tried to to get real, yeah, like, you know, pretty yeah, with the yeah, phrasing yeah, of that question. You had to get me on the on the NBA calendar in my head. Uh, I think they're going to go to the playoffs. I do. I think they're going to figure. I mean, the Eastern Conference. When we look at it, I think they're going to be prepping for. For the playoffs, I'm still. I know the Pistons are are you know considerably ahead of the Sixers. What four games, something like that, right now. I'm still not sold on them. The Wizards, it's all about health. The Pacers, fine. Uh, I like the Bucks quite a bit, but that A spot is wide open between the Heat, the Knicks, and the Sixers. So, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be in. I do. All right, Gonzo, this has been enjoyable. Very much well, appreciated. You got to finish the sentence. We got to share here. It's quid pro quo. What do you think? Right. The Sixers.com guy is going to say anything <laughs> other than on April the 12th, the 76ers will be in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know what, it's interesting. So just looking at some of the Knicks stuff um, going into that game on Monday, uh, they have not played uh, A, a lot of road games, and B, have not been very good at all on the road. So just. I don't know. You just, I guess, because you followed enough, you've become familiar with things like just how often the Sixers have played on the road. They've not only been on the road a lot; they're going to finish their Western Conference uh, obligations by the turn of the calendar year. So, um, I, I think that stuff like that bodes in their favor. You know, the worm has to come around every now and then. It does indeed. Um, well, a happy New Year to you, my man. To uh, the rest of the household, Colleen and the Pooches. Um, and enjoy a great start to uh, 2018. Thanks, brother. This was fun. Happy New Year. Indeed. Thanks, man. All right. If we can't see Gons in person on a regular basis, at least very nice to be able to hear him and, of course, read him at the ringer. Thanks, to John, for taking a few minutes to chat. Thanks to you for listening. We'll have a rewind edition of the podcast coming up on Sunday, the morning after the 76ers game against the Denver Nuggets, 9 o'clock on Saturday night, as they look to bounce back from Thursday's defeat at Portland. Until then, enjoy the rest of the good old holiday week. See you.